Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Live from the internet, it's Godsplaining. <laughs> Hello, friends. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Look at that face, Father Jacob. Oh, Church man. No, uh, sorry. That was a little exciting. These are more serious episodes because this is a this yeah. is a Lexio episode. Well, at any rate, welcome everyone now. to this recording of God's Planning. Um, I'm your host today, Father Patrick Mary Briscoe, and I'm joined by Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic himself, the eminent director of vocations, and <laughs> Father Joseph Anthony Crest, the esteemed chaplain of the University of Virginia. How are we, fathers? I'm great. Just peachy. I'm loving yeah. life. Living large. It's great. Yeah. Getting towards the summer. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to break out. To get, I'll be in Colorado. Colorado. That's not how you say it. Colorado all summer. So um, definitely looking forward to getting out of the city and doing something else besides staring at Zoom meetings all So have day. you just been like and, watching uh, YouTube be videos on how to survive bear attacks or... You know how to, yeah, Me? how to like rescue no, someone worried. from the mountains. First of all, the rescue someone from the mountains is I'm running fast, and if I can get them help before they get eaten, that's their rescue. But <laughs> listen, people, you're on your own. Sorry. Nice. No, I've, I'm not. I'm not doing anything like that. Just getting ready to go. Dude, I went on a hike last week with some students, and like we got ten minutes into the trail, and all of a sudden the group of students ahead of me stops and turns around, and they're like bear 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 i was like okay we're out and just like started moving quickly and they're like uh don't run that scares the bear i'm like i okay i i just tried to get out of here as quickly as i could and then this week's uh gospel or yeah the gospel the other day was um about how the the hireling is different than the good shepherd because when there's the wolf approaches the hireling runs away and i just felt like a total uh trash heap i was like yep i did that the bear was there yeah. and I just turned around and booked it. So, well, I'm not sure if booking it or if the bear would really be scared by the kind of speed that you would, that you would show forth on the trail, but harsh all the same. I'm sorry. Harsh. I could barely hold on to that story. <laughs> it was simply a grisly encounter. Okay. This is unbearable. Okay. Let's move <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> all right. Wrap it up. You know, that's what happens when oh I try to gosh. share aspects of my life. Just mm. um, <laughs> beautiful. Let us pray. Grant, almighty God, that we may celebrate with heartfelt devotion these days of joy, which we keep in honor of the risen Lord, and that what we relive in remembrance, we may always hold to in what we do. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Father Jacob Bertrand, would you proclaim for us the first reading? A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and, falling at his feet, paid him homage. Peter, however, raised him up, saying, Get up, I myself am also a human being. Then Peter proceeded to speak and said, In truth, I see that God shows no partiality. Rather, in every nation, whoever fears him and acts uprightly is acceptable to him. While Peter was still speaking these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the word. The circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit should have been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they could hear them speaking in tongues and glorifying God. 
Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold the, the water for baptizing the people, these people who have received the Holy Spirit, even as we have? He ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peter's uh, actions, especially with Cornelius, are uh, what captivate me at the very beginning of this reading. Cornelius meets him, you know, and we can kind of see the context of what's happening. This very first meeting in Cornelius falls down and pays him homage, right? Falls before him. Those are That's a phrase that we find a lot in the Gospels, that people would fall down and pay homage at the feet of Jesus. And the reason is that's an act that's proper to God, right? You would fall down at the feet in front of God himself to pay him homage. And so what Peter picks up is that Cornelius is somewhat confused and thinks that he's God, but Peter corrects it immediately and then turns and reframes the context of Cornelius to point him towards God. He's like, listen, I am, I'm just a mere human being, right? But he doesn't deny the fact that the Holy Spirit's at work in his life and that the Holy Spirit is the immediate context of Peter's life. And so he has this beautiful, like he kind of threads the needle in a way where he admits his frailty, he admits his humanity, but also upholds how God has chosen to work through our own humanity in rephrasing, reshaping the context of Cornelius to not worship him, uh, but to worship the God who is united to him, who's drawn Peter's humanity to himself and redeemed it and uh, recreated it. And thus he then goes on to preach and speaks all these things and through which the Holy Spirit falls down upon these Gentiles. And it's a, it's a really beautiful thing because we, uh, I, I think that we should not be afraid to be like Peter, to constantly be convicted that we are just mere human beings and we too are frail. And that if anybody, uh, through the graces of God, come to a deeper relationship in him and see the work of God in their own life through our words or our actions to acclaim our humanity, but to rephrase, to recontextualize that back to God himself, that it's the Holy Spirit who first worked within us, who first drew us to himself, that he is the one that's working in the midst of our humanity, that that homage that they initially would laud with us the words of um, affirmation or those kind of laudatory things that are given to us can be directed to God ultimately because it's his work um, acting through us. As we read through the Acts of the Apostles in the Easter season or whenever we may open the Acts of the Apostles, uh, they, we, we're, we're invited to learn more and more about what the... Um, what the early Christian community looked like, how they understood themselves in relation to the risen Lord and, and who our Lord is. And one of the things that this passage from the, the 10th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles reveals to us, or at least confirms yet again, even in light of the resurrection, is, is this dynamic of salvation. That Christ, um, Christ became man and died, he suffered, died, and rose again to offer salvation to all. 
not just to the Israelites, but to the Israelites, to the circumcised believers, as it's put in this reading, um, but also to the Gentiles. And this this reaffirms uh, Christ's command, for example, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, to go out and baptize all nations. God comes to offer salvation to everybody. But this offer of salvation is not something that we should think is just, well, and through through any means, people, as long as they live a good life, it doesn't matter if they're in the church or out of the church or Christian or not. As long as they're good people, as long as they believe something, then they're saved. That's that's also um, not true. And this is what this reading is revealed to us, that that these Gentiles and these Israelites all were baptized. They were all baptized. They were brought in. They were saved by the grace of Christ. This reading from Acts of the Apostles reaffirms, or perhaps at this time affirms for the first time um, in a historical setting, but for us reaffirms again, that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ, through the grace that Jesus Christ offers. Two, two, two things about that. One, does that mean that those who never have the gospel preached to them or have the opportunity to hear the gospel preached to them are somehow automatically condemned to be to, to condemn to hell. Well, no, we know that Christ came to offer salvation to all. How that offer is made, I don't know. That's part of the mystery. But we can rest in that sure hope that Christ comes to save all. But we do know that it is through Christ, through his death and through his resurrection, that people are saved. The other thing, the other short thing here, is that because this is the reality, because we need Christ in our lives, it's an incumbent upon us, upon uh, those of us who are Christians who do know Christ, to share the gospel, to share the gospel with the world in, a, in our little corners where we live and work with our family and friends, to draw people into him, to radiate Christ as Peter did. And as Father Joseph Anthony was saying, not to direct people to us, but to direct people to Christ um, as we live the Christian life. You'll like this line, Father Jacob Bertrand. C.S. Lewis was fond of saying, you cannot remain a good egg forever. You must either hatch or rot. <laughs> I do like that. You're right. <laughs> but this is the, this is the, this is the invitation of, of Peter, right? And, uh, and, you know, my, 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 my comments here are simply, simply an echo of Father Jacob Bertrand's that, that one has to respond to God's grace. And at the end of the day, um, there is only the, the choice to accept the Lord and his mercy or not. Um, so recently there's been some conversation online about um, the possibility of extending mercy to Judas. And from my perspective, it's just kind of a silly question, and it betrays all of our modern sensibilities um, and our modern desires uh, to, to cheapen or lessen mercy. Because of course God would have forgiven Judas. But the point is that Judas didn't ask God's forgiveness. Of course, God would have forgiven Judas, but Judas didn't ask God's forgiveness. And this is the mystery of our freedom and of, of the, the requirement for us to cede to the work of God. Um, because as C.S. Lewis said, one cannot simply remain an egg forever. One must either hatch or rot. Uh, so let us turn now to the second reading, uh, which I will proclaim. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his Son as expiation for our sins. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This reading from the first letter of St. John is one that is problematic in that it is so short but so full of of truth and content that you could spend your entire life thinking about it, preaching on it, living with it. Um, so I'll just say a little word um, on the nature of love um, and hopefully not go on too long, but maybe it'll be an entree into your own contemplation. Um, love is often something that is, is um, I don't know, I think Father Patrick used the word, so at risk of repeating it, I will use it again. But love is something that is often cheapened. I don't know if you said that earlier, Father Patrick, or used cheap and you did. Um, but it is something that's cheapened because it's to love is not an easy thing. To love well is not an easy thing. Our, the, the true reference for love is, is Christ on the cross. That is the example of the truest, most pure, most offered love that the world has ever known. Um, and it's difficult to live in a way that imitates that, to offer ourselves um, and to live that Christian paradox, whereas that is that in death is life, that in, in proportion to our charity, to our giving of ourselves to our Lord and to our neighbor, there we find life. Um, we have to constantly remind ourselves as Christians that love is not something we get to define. Love doesn't, the parameters of love are not ours to establish. And thanks be to God for that, because we, I don't think, often understand the true nature of love and we're fickle and all of these things. But love is something that uh, we are called to participate in. Love is something that we are called to enter into and be transformed by. And there's a great beauty and freedom in that because the, we don't have to worry and be concerned with, am I doing this right? Am I, is this actually conducive to my being a good person, to my holiness, to my loving God? Um, we're called to imitate. We're called to follow. Uh, and God gives us the grace to do that. Uh, and, and that beauty of participation is that not only do we participate, are we called to participate in the way in which God loves, um, but also in his very life. That through that participation, we're called and we're brought into Christ himself to share in that love, to know that love, to be transformed by it, but also to share it, to share it with others. There's, there's nothing more profound about the Christian life than our ability to love and to offer our lives for the sake of, of those whom we love. One of my favorite aspects of this is the fact that God initiates. He, he moves first. Right. And, and this is what we find in the middle of this is that like, is in this way that the love of God has been revealed to us. How do we know it? How has it been revealed? Sometimes we search and we're trying to figure it out. What does the love of God look like? How can I find it? What, you know, trying to figure it out in, in this letter, first John, it says so explicitly and clearly, this is how God's love was revealed to us, that he sent his son into the world. I think that often with when we look at love of God, we think it's just a one-way street of our actions. When we've decided to then give to God, give his praise, give his honor, when we make sacrifices for this love of God. But what we don't realize, and I think often is, you know, confused with, but it's actually God who loves us first. It's God who initiates. And our love or our expressions, our manifestations of it, are always in response to the love of God. You know, later on in the first, uh, in the first letter of John, it says that like we love because Christ has loved us first. 
you know, you can't give what you don't have. And so our first disposition really is to receive God's love so that we can spin it around and give it freely. Right. And when we talk about anyone who, who loves is begotten by God and knows God it's because we first received his love because he initiates with us. Often we, um, we overlook the subtleties of how God initiates a relationship with us, the subtleties of how God orders our life back to himself. And it's often implicit, but it's God slowly calling us back to him, God slowly initiating and drawing us back to himself. And in those moments that we can sit in prayer and look back on our life and hindsight's always twenty twenty, but we can see with clarity that it was God slowly bringing us back, God who was initiating these relationships and these friendships in our life to draw us back to himself. And just to kind of take that up moment in with great gratitude in our hearts, but also with great confidence with whatever the future has, that it's God who initiates uh, this relationship of love and that our experience of love is in a response to him calling out to his children. So there you have Father Joseph Anthony waxing poetic in his own terms about the beautiful Thomistic principle of physical promotion, a term so lovely and rings in all of our hearts and makes our faces beam with joy, except for Father Jacob Bertrand, whose face never beams with joy. That's not, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so the, the, word, the word that I wanted to focus on um, is in the, the, last, the last line of this reading, sent his son as expiation for our sins, um, because it's a word that we might simply gloss over and a word that's very rich, right? Um, so Joseph Anthony having emphasized the initiative of God, um, that this is, this is the important point of Jesus's sacrifice, which is God, God's initiation. Um, God has, God has expiated us according to God's action and that Christ's death on the cross is God's own redeeming work, reconciling us to his love. So expiation here is God's taking upon himself uh, the guilt which we must pay for our sins. So when we say, when we, when we read a line like this, um, that, that we can easily just, as I said, gloss over, um, said his son is expiation for our sins, we really ought to pause and marvel at the fact that, that God himself has undertaken this redeeming work and brought it to be by the sacrifice of his own life on the cross. And that this allows us to be to be rectified, to be brought into right relationship, to be reconciled, to be cleansed, and to be able to abide in God and holiness. Um, so uh, the God of the Bible, our God, is a God who is loving and who is holy. And he demonstrates that love by the sacrifice of his life, revealing to us once and for all the depths and, and deepest truths of that word love. Uh, but in so doing, he also sanctifies us by paying the debt which we owe to God. He makes us holy and makes it possible for us to be in that loving relationship with him. We have not, not that we have loved God, as the scripture says, but that he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. Father Joseph Anthony, would you proclaim for us the gospel? Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John, Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. 
This is my commandment. Love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And no longer call you slaves, because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that where whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We, the uh, ho- your hosts of God's Plain, are coming up on 10 years of professed religious life which is really something to think about. Um, you know, so we've, we've been doing this for quite a while. Very wise um, but... at this point. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. We, we are now fat and gray. Well, I'm fat and gray. The rest I'm of gray. us are just gray. I'm just gray. <laughs> and I'm neither fat, fat nor gray. <laughs> he boasts. <laughs> this punk. Oh, my God. So um, the, the reason I brought up our religious life, our shared life together, is because this is the, the gospel passage that was recited as we profess our solemn vows. Um, no greater love is there than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that, ab- that above all is the, is the great consolation, the great gift that I have received in religious life, um, is, is this gift of, this gift of friendship, you know, and, and relationships that are, that are deeper and, um, more beautiful than I could have imagined. Um, not what Jacob Bertrand, obviously, father is. Is that no? <laughs> but uh, but but it, but it but the life in community is a true consolation. And um, when uh, when we profess when we profess our solemn vows there in the in the basement of the Basilica of the National Shrine, um, I understood what this verse meant in a deeper way because of what I was giving my life to, and I felt it was true. And um, yeah, that's just what I wanted to say about this gospel. Um, I've been reading a, uh, a meditation in Sina Yezu, uh, which are meditations, uh, and conversations that a Benedictine monk had with our Lord. And he constantly in those conversations, the Lord's constantly asking, uh, this, this priest to be another St. John for him. And the reason why he keeps saying that is he's, he's, he holds up St. John as the epitome of a friend of my heart. And he keeps coming back to that phrase. St. John was this friend of my heart, this friend of my heart. And it's the uniqueness of Christianity. The fact that we in we have the audacity to think that we could be friends with God. Well, it is stupid. It is audacious to think that we creatures can be friends with the creator. Because you have to share something in common with that, right? You have to be on the same level. Friendship has to be one of peers, right? And that is audacious from our perspective but it's god himself who offers us that friendship and it would be um cruel to offer that without actually being able to accomplish that and so it's the work of god in redemption and it's the work of god to draw us to himself and and bring us to his level to grant us participation in his divine life so that we can share as friends no other world religion claims that Right. I mean, this is not a part of any other religion. This is uniquely Christian that we can be friends with God. And not only is it possible, it's actually the desire 
in constant desire throughout the ages that the Lord, when he invites and draws, he constantly holds up this, this image of St. John, who was the friend of the heart of Jesus as the example of what he calls us to. So to enter into this friendship, this is why I've constantly said, you know, I love the 15th chapter of St. John's gospel because it constantly surrounds this unique Christian element that we are invited to uh, and we're invited to be friends with God himself. I, I think as vocation director and one who is constantly thinking about how to help men discern their vocation and having these conversations, the, the, the end of this passage leaps out. Um, and maybe I should ignore that, but I'm not going to, I'm going to focus on it. And this, this idea of choice that it is God who chooses, um, it is God who chooses us. We do not choose God. Um, and I think like, like we spoke about with the second reading that there's uh, a great consolation in the reality that God chooses us. Um, we like, just like with love, it's not something that we get to create or manipulate or define. It's something that we participate in, in our call to enter into. Um, same thing with, with this friendship with God that Father Joseph Anthony was talking about and Father Patrick too, um, that this is something that we are called to be part of. We don't have to make, up, make it up and figure out how is it that I am supposed to be the friend of God. He lays it out for us because he first chooses us. And as Father Joseph Anthony says, he wants us. He wants that friendship and that relationship with us. So often, I think, if we're thinking about, well, how is it that God wants me to live with and for him, this big question of discernment, what am I to do with my life as a Christian, we often uh, get trapped by the idea that I have to figure out what it is that God wants for me what it is that God, this sort of mystery, this puzzle. And in a sense, that's what it's about, but not that's not really the heart of what it's about because we know what God wants for us. God wants for us to be his friend. God wants for us to know his mercy and to know his love and to remain in that mercy and that love, to, to be with him um, and to live our lives with him. And the question then is not so much, well, what am I supposed to do with my life, but how am I supposed to respond to that mercy and love? How am, I, how am I supposed to live in that mercy and love? And we were able to know this by remaining in, in, in the friendship of Christ. That as we grow closer and closer to Christ, we are better able to respond and to live as his friend, to respond to the graces and the movements of his will and of his, of his word, and to, uh, to, to live that friendship, to live that friendship with Christ. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. That's what the Christian life is about, is about living in that friendship with Christ. Well, before we conclude with our final prayer, um, we have a few announcements. Um, keep your eye on our merch shop. Um, that's very exciting. Just talking about it. I'm so happy that it's finally up. Um, things are getting better and better there. We have um, uh, one or two new items that are going to drop for Pentecost. They will be Pentecost-themed. Uh, so keep your eye on that. Um, there will, of course, be a giveaway. You know, whenever something new drops... Um, we do a giveaway, so be, be excited and look forward to that. Um, thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon, making it possible for us to do this work and to do it with ever greater technological precision. Uh, um, we, are, uh, we are indebted to you, and please be in a special way short of our prayers. If you like what you are seeing or listening to, thank you. Um, please, please share, uh, comment on YouTube, um, share, share posts, share the podcast on social media. Um, encouraged by word of mouth, your friends to listen to us. 
um, that's how we grow. And we, we've been um, deeply humbled and delighted by some of the success we've seen. So, so thank you for your encouragement in, in the work. It's our mission as preachers, and we delight in undertaking it with you. Lastly, uh, spots are filling up. There may be just a few remaining for our summer retreat. If you're thinking about applying, please apply. Please apply quickly. Um, we would love to have a just packed retreat house and a great weekend um, with the five God's planning hosts at Immaculate Conception Seminary in Huntington, New York. Um, it's going to be a great time. So all the information is available about that last weekend of July when our retreat will happen online. So I think that's it. Did I get everything, Father Jacob Bertrand? Seems like he did. See, I have to check with him. Otherwise, he'll come at me. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, let us pray. May our prayers rise up to you, O Lord, together with sacrificial offerings, so that purified by your graciousness, we may be conformed to the mysteries of your mighty love. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening, all. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.